Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1987, four childhood friends were reunited after 10 years to investigate the murder of a mentor they all shared. During this time, they unlocked the deep secrets of the past and found themselves exposed to the darkness that surrounded them. Soon it became more than a fight for justice. And instead, it became a fight against the ultimate evil. Six months later, in the winter of 1988, bonded by their knowledge of the dark unknown, they have decided to no longer be the victim. Now they seek out the deep roots of satanic corruption that hides in the shadows of society, all the while trying to mentor a new companion, seeking justice for the death of his cousin. Institutionalized is the second story arc in the Chronicles of Darkness first edition story, The Ultimate Evil, set in Bismarck, North Dakota in 1988. Join us in this tale of satanic horror with Wayne, played by Adam, Che, played by Andrew, Alex, played by Mitch, Michael, played by Slavic, and the newcomer Derek, played by Tillman. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM, and on Facebook and Discord at Twin Cities by Night. If you'd like to help support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. So, Michael, in the last six months, a lot has happened. Not only did the events of Remembrance happen, but also you were given an offer, which you chose not to follow through with. And you decided to go out on your own with money that you received from Terry Murphy for the expenses that you occurred for the work that you did. You were able to start this PI company, which you end up calling Dakota Investigative Services. You were able to get a lease on an office on East Main Street, this quaint little building that is made of brick. Well, a lot of the buildings are connected. You know, it's one of those, it's like a main street where a lot of buildings are connected, but you have this office that has a large picture window that faces main street on the north from the north side on this large window you have a logo with a telephone number but you can still look within there when the blinds aren't closed and see that there's like four desks a soda machine and maybe some other stuff that you can't quite make out within there there's also a glass entry door a single glass entry door that has like a little handle that you can open when it's unlocked that's a nice little place that you're able to start with the capital that you made from money that you had saved up while being a police officer and also money that you received for the work that you did for Terry Murphy. So in these six months, three since you found out that the results of the exam were already done for you, what has been happening with Michael Gray? Well, Michael's been putting everything into this company, you know, into the agency, basically. You know, he's been training everybody else. You know, before he, he knew that they'd pass their exams, he was make, he tried to make sure, you know, that they would actually pass them, coaching them, studying for it himself, and just generally, you know, already looking for cases, uh, maybe dipping into some of his contacts, you know, in the police force, seeing if uh, anybody has some jobs uh, they need doing. So how did it make Michael feel when he went to go take that test and he saw that the results were already filled in for him? He felt confident in his ability to pass himself, but he was glad for the others since he sort of worried about them. So he welcomed it. It was kind of like a nice... Yeah, it's like, 
uh, I could have passed anyway, and I'm glad that I would have to deal with the others. You have put a lot into this this business. Now, is there any kind of nervousness that has gone along with it since it's like kind of like you're an entrepreneur now? You know, this is kind of like a big step that you took on your own. You, know, you gave a good steady position up, mm-hmm. and now you've delved into this. Like, is there any nervousness still on this part about it? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, he's just super focused on that. This has to succeed. You know, uh, I mean, put a, everyone put a lot of money into it. And it means if it fails, uh, it's basically just back to square one, you know. So there's a lot of pressure on him. Is it because of like your oh, yeah, mother, sure. and like your mother and your friends are invested in this, too? So you, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders for this to succeed, huh? Yeah. And, you know, another part of it is just, you know, whenever you make business with friends, it's it's always a, lot, a bit weird or a bit strange because if the business fails or if there's problems, it also puts a strain on the relationships between them. For sure. For sure. Now, for like the last three months, you know, you've been having like small cases that have been, you know, you've had a couple of contacts push people and usually, like I said, infidelity or, you know, that case I mentioned earlier when Wayne was talking to Bruce about, you know, someone who kind of after they passed found out that there was a double life and you had to look into that, you know, sometimes it's looking for um, a teen who ran off and you kind of find like a teen where they're staying at someone's house, like stuff that usually the people don't feel like the cops put too much work in. You guys have kind of, well, obviously the cops can't put in work into infidelity, but you know, that type of stuff. Now in this last six months, three months has this intensity of work, kept your mind off of what you witnessed and what you found out six months ago or is that still there well i mean it's always there but uh it's just so so much to do with a new company and with mike just taking the lead or leading the charge uh i feel like he slowly start forgetting about it you know not like forgetting about it like he's always vigilant in case they find something like in a case but there's sadly been nothing there for the last six months, you know, all this case has been just like normal, normal cases when it comes to that. You haven't seen Jerry since the initial offer that he gave you six months ago. You haven't seen Meredith. You haven't, they haven't reached out to you. It's kind of actually you, and, and sometimes you forget like how this whole thing started for a little bit, you know, with the, the offer that was given to you. You've been getting steady flow of work enough to pay the bills for sure, you know, and to to survive you make maybe a little less than you made as a cop but you understand at this point you know this is you're beginning a business that you're only six like three almost four months into it and it's running pretty smoothly so far you're learning new things such as accounting having to hire an accountant you know having to figure out the utilities you can't leave the heat on too high when someone leaves at night you got to get on them about turning the heat back down and not keeping it so high you know, just how to interact with people, you know, how to to talk to potential customers. And you found that for the most part, everyone seems to be doing like found their own role. You, you've noticed, though, that Alex has seemed really consumed with like anger. Like you've noticed like Che, while Che definitely seems to be very lasered in and focused with an intensity that you can tie to anger because you can relate to that a lot. You notice that Alex, while he may not be drinking and doing as much you see him being consumed with this like this rage more often and you can kind of sense that like his patience is kind of wearing thin like he while you're happy with what you're doing alex wants answers he wants them like now 
and you find that like he's could become somewhat little irritable at like the pace of work. He seems to be doing well. The concerns of him injecting himself with heroin or drinking himself into a stupor have gone away. You're kind of actually impressed. Maybe soon he'll move out of his parents' house. You don't know. But you definitely see that like of all four of you, he seems to be the one battling his what you all witness in his head seems to be dealing with it in a totally different manner. Has Michael had any kind of social life since this? Has this been Michael's like, just everything has been this business? Well, I assume he hit the bars or something like every once in a while, but I mean, I it is like, ultimate evil. It's the ultimate yeah. evil. You got to go to the main bar. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, uh, I believe that though, like, just starting a business consumed a lot of his time that he'd otherwise invest. Uh, might be even slacking in his working out routine and stuff like that. But yeah, I feel like most of the time, you know, he's just been doing office manager stuff. Yeah. How does he feel about it? Does it make him happy? I mean, yeah. You know, he's very happy to be active, to sort of do things, you know, to be in control to uh, have the option to change things or adjust them as needed. Uh, it's a different experience altogether from the force, you know? Yeah. I mean, you got to figure out things like ordering typewriter ribbons, right? You know, whether or not you should purchase one of these Xerox machines that all these businesses seem to have now, can you even do it? Do you have enough money for it? Getting guys to update the contact information, the Rolodex, so everyone can have access to phone numbers rather than just writing on a piece of paper and throwing it in their wallet. There's different things that you have trying to instill upon these guys. But for the most part, they seem to be doing very well at doing this. So it's Monday morning and six o'clock in the morning comes around and you hear the <coughs> of your alarm. Unlike Wayne, you don't have soothing music going through it. You just have that disciplined sound to awaken you because you have things to do. What is it that Michael does in the same apartment that he wakes up in that he had before? Well, first thing he does, you know, he probably uh, grabs a cup of coffee, showers, the usual stuff. Probably reads the paper, you know, looking for stuff he could, the agency could help with or offer their services to, you know, be more proactive. So you're looking through the classifieds. I mean, as you're opening up this paper, you kind of smell that fresh newspaper smell. It's the Bismarck Tribune and you kind of like unroll it. It's on in front of your apartment door. You open up your apartment, you take it out of the hallway, you come back in with your cup of coffee and you're sitting there and you unwrap it, the snapping of the rubber bands, the ultra thin, cheap rubber bands. One of them breaks as you like get it out and you unroll it and you flatten it on your table and you look in the front and you see the headlines like one of the coldest winters predicted in, you know, in February of 89 and you're just kind of like, yeah, no shit. It's been fucking cold. You know, it stopped. It snows, it stops for a week, becomes ice, and then it snows again. And you're opening the paper and you go to the classifieds and you're just kind of like looking through the classifieds. And you really don't see anything too much. You see something like, Barbara, my love, I'm so happy to have been with you for 10 years or 10-year anniversary, your loving husband. You're like, oh, my fucking. You're just kind of like browsing through and you really don't see anything. And as, as after you're done, you look up at your wall clock which and you see it's almost like 7 o'clock. And, you know, usually you go in and you open the business like around 7.30 or 8. That's when you usually open up before everyone else gets there. Yeah, he'll get in his car, you know, right over. Yeah, you go out there and plug your car, scrape the windows, you know, get the heat right oh, yeah. inside. Uh, yeah, you're like getting the ice out of your... So frustrated, but it happens. You're scraping, 
and you get back in there and you wait a little bit for the windows to clear and you go and you start your car and you head towards main street you live on a street you live off of a street called state street which is in the northern side of Bismarck. main street's kind of like right like before it gets to south bismarck and you kind of get back on state street and you drive by the capitol building and these roads are usually state streets pretty well plowed and you kind of drive past the capitol you drive past a couple businesses and you get to like older neighborhoods where there's some older homes and you drive through there at some stoplights you see kids like are getting out on bus stops and everything like that you see them like running into one of the grade schools or you see some high school kids going into bismarck high which you went to or uh, before you got expelled and went to the Catholic school for track and you drive past there and you get to the main street. So main street is the street where a lot of the parking is along the street. And there's a lot of businesses that are up on the street and you go and you park in front of your Dakota investigative services. And to the right, there's this bakery that, you know, that this older lady named Martha, who's like in her late fifties runs as a German bakery. And you see, she usually gets in like around like two or three in the morning to start her baking. She's kind of has that lifestyle of older people who are up before the sun comes out and, you know, goes to bed, you know, rather early. And usually she sees you when you come driving up and as you pull your car up and you turn it off and you get out, open the door and you're the creaking of the metal and you go step out onto the curb to get on the street. So you don't get your shoes and some slosh you close and you see the door open up to the bakery and she's like, oh, Michael, come in here. Come in here. You know, you got to get some. Come here. I got some fresh. Uh, of course, of course. You know, got to get my breakfast. <laughs> yeah, She's like, come on in. I feel good that I have. Uh, uh, don't you know? I feel good that I have a retired copier. Yeah, like it's good. It's good. No one's going to no one's going to bug me for my awesome donuts here. Right. And she's see you're yeah. like walking. What would I do without you? Yeah. I'll start picking the donuts. You know, she gives you a cup of coffee. Of <laughs> yeah she gives you a box of the cut the you know, like a pink box that has like a dozen donuts and you're like you give those to your friends of yours okay yeah. and uh i feel like these should be tax write-offs you know <laughs> with chops <the> and all <laughs> oh your, your mom's probably happy that i'm putting some meat on your bones right she's probably happy that you look healthy oh yeah yeah you know how it is <sighs> how's she doing yeah, she's doing all right you know uh make sure to always stop by buy groceries uh, uh, my really do that. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he has his own reasons, you know. Uh, it's a busy world. I say that reasons that bitch of a wife of his, but you didn't hear me say that. Okay? <laughs> uh, make sure it's just between you and me. Okay, that's good. I don't want his, I don't want to give him another reason to, get, to, to not talk to me. And she smiles. And she's like, no, he's really not that bad, and she's not that much of a bitch. But don't you know, like, what can you do about it? Uh, yeah. How's the business treating you? It's been all right, yeah. I've been small time cases mostly, you know, looking for something big. Huh? <sighs> yeah. Oh, it's Bismarck. I would say don't get your hopes up too much. Uh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> See, and I always try to get these stories out from you, and you never fucking tell me. I'm always. <laughs> well, I have to be professional. You have to understand me. Uh, huh? You know, I let these stories get out, and people stop hiring me, and I can't buy your delicious donuts anymore. But you're not buying them. I'm giving them to you. I'm currying favor in case you know. Oh, like, okay, okay. That's Never what mind. this is. That's what this is. And as you, you see a moment while she, like your back is facing the door and she's looking at you and she looks over and she's like, oh, who's this tall glass of water? And you always feel comfortable when she talks like that because she like has no problem like saying, you know, she's married and happily married, but she always right. like compliments like men when they walk by and you turn, you look 
and you see a figure that you haven't seen like in, in about six months and you see Jerry is walking up to the door. You see that he has like blue jeans on, some cowboy boots, he has a cowboy hat on with like this tan winter jacket on over it. And you see him like open the door and you, when he opens the door, you hear the ding, ding, ding of the of the of the bells and he takes off his hat and he walks in and he has this still the same trim mustache, still the same high and tight that he had before. And you see him nod to the Martha. He's like, ma'am. And she's like, why? Hello. And he's like, good morning, ma'am. And he looks at you and he's like, Michael. And he just kind of nods to you. Hello. If it isn't Jerry Hagberg. Yeah. I was wondering if I could uh, chew your ear for a little bit there in your office of yours. Of course. Donut. Uh, and you see him look over. He's like, yeah, I think yeah, I'll take that to. fritter. Yeah. And he'll take the fritter and he, uh, <laughs> and he'll walk out with you as you open the door, he put his hat back on, take a bite of it. And you go up and you like unlock the door because you got the keys and everything. And um, you, as you go, as you unlock the door and open it, you kind of see like the lights are a little dim. You leave a light on, you know, that so it looks not completely dark when you close up and you go and you flip the light on and you almost go through this process. Like Jerry watches you, you go plug in the Coke machine, you know, you go, you start the coffee maker, you already have it preset to go. You turn on the heat, turn the heat up a little bit. And he takes off his jacket and his hat and he puts it on this coat rack that you have that's right by the door. And you have this desk, like kind of like there's not like official desks. Anyone can sit at any desk, but you have like the one that's further in the back that you usually sit at. And he you go and he you go up by there and you have a seat and he goes and sits in the chair that's in front of the desk. And he looks around and he's like, How's the business treating you? We haven't talked in a while. Eh, could be better, could be worse, you know. Uh, just going through the motions and making sure everything works nice and smooth. Yeah, that's good. Uh, guys acclimating well. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. We've been giving you your space. I didn't want to get involved in your business there. Can I get a cup of coffee? Any motions to the coffee of course, maker? Of course, of course. He sets the fritter down and you kind of like for a second look at it because he didn't put a napkin on your desk before putting the fritter down. But then he goes, walks up and you have like one of those coffee makers but you have like the little stand where people can hook coffee cups and there's like uh-huh. like 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 seven coffee cups there and he kind of like spins through and he takes one that has like a map of north dakota on it and he like pour, like <laughs> blows it out pour some coffee in there doesn't put any cream or sugar walks by walks back to the chair sits in there takes the fritter takes a bite keeps on one hand in his right hand he has the coffee and he takes a sip of the coffee he's like god it's fucking good <laughs> so he sets the coffee down. And he looks at you and he's like, when I uh, extend the offer to you and your pals there, I told you that there'd be times where maybe we'd come with to something that might look into individuals that we both have concerns about, right? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Well, hear me out before I explain, okay? So I have an old buddy of mine. Well, I want to call him a fucking buddy, really. But I worked with him on the force when I was on there. His name's John Donaldson. Do I know him? You don't recognize the name at all and he's like um john was a guy he didn't end up retiring just kind of got tired of it one day he ended up getting out and uh he ended up getting this gig as a uh, head of security at uh the school that's up in baldwin it's called the dakota advent academy at, excuse me the dakota adventist academy it's up north there in baldwin and out of character you know baldwin's about 20 miles north of bismarck it's kind of like a smaller town than bismarck there well that place deals with Met boys who kind of need, I guess, 
to go to a different school than a public school kind of behavioral issues it's one of those bible thumping places and i'm acquainted with the place so john says calls me up and he doesn't know what to do he says that there's this kid who has ran away a couple times and the school has just treated his recent leaving of the school as him running away again but john says his gut is telling him that the kid's not just ran away again yeah I guess John's talked to the kid's grandfather. That's who raised him. And grandfather's saying that he knows his grandson's not just ran away again. Now, I don't know why he thinks that way, but I would think that John and this kid's grandfather would know the situation better than I would. Here's the thing. One of the members, founding members of the board for the school when it was built was our buddy, our buddy Calvin. And he just looks at you for a second. <sighs> you think it's related? Ah, I'm going to go to that extent. I don't think it's related. But I do think this is an opportunity. Remember, I told you when we extend this offer to you that if we saw an opportunity to use this as a guise to look into that piece of shit that we'd let you know, right? So here's my idea. I can connect you and you can use that as a guise to maybe see if you can find any information about Calvin. Maybe nothing with him, but he's tied to that school. And that was the opening that I saw. Meredith and I have known about this for a while. I mean, he has tied to that school, but we really can't go knocking on the door. God fucking question. I wish Alex didn't have vacation right now. He'd love this. Anyway, yeah. Uh yeah, definitely. There is one issue, however. Who'd be the person hiring us? Would be would it be John? Would it be you? I don't think it's gonna it's not me. We can't have this or, on record. It's gonna be the probably the kid's grandfather. I'm gonna give you the number okay. for John, but John does not want to be tied to this. You have to understand if John has found out that he goes to the authorities. Or whatever. I don't know. I asked myself, why? What's that? Our client uh, business relationship is completely confidential unless, you know, yeah. we actually go to court. But I understand. Yes. You had to understand, son, that precautions must be taken. So I think John's going to point you in the direction of this kid's grandfather, and that'll probably be your client. Here's the thing. You know, I know you have good intentions, son, the whole confidentiality thing. And I trust you. You see a moment where you open up, he'll uh, walk back to where his jacket's at, and he'll go into the inside pocket of his jacket. You see him rustling around. He turns around and walks back. You see he has like a newspaper in his hand, and he puts it on the desk. He unfolds it, but it's smaller than a normal newspaper. And you see it's a New York Post. And you see on the cover, Death of Terry Murphy. And you see on the bottom, you see Beloved Reporter Dies of Heart Attack on the bottom there. And he looks at you, and he points to that paper. It can't be a coincidence. He's like, you have to understand, son. There are real threats here when it comes to the shit that we're doing. I cannot express how much discretion is important, even if we're looking at something small. I called this, young man. I called this. And he points to the paper. He had good intentions. He had a big fucking mouth, right? I mean, I don't mean to speak ill of the dead. I really don't. This is what happens when you're not careful. I don't know what you and your friends saw, but I've seen some shit. This may be nothing, though. But if you... Take this opportunity to dig into Calvin. Maybe you'll find something out. Would you and your gang be interested in this? Yeah, definitely. We've been itching some real action for some time, to be honest. You know, if it's just a missing kid, it's still a missing kid. Yeah, I'm sure you're not dealing with anything interesting, really. But I'm sure you have some juicy-ass fucking gossip. Maybe you can tell me one day over beers and you just kind of... <laughs> <smile like that. laughs> you betcha. And he, like, takes this notepad that you have on your desk that has, like, the Dakota Investigative Services DIS with your address and your phone number on the very top, like a letterhead. And he, like, takes a pen out of his shirt 
Pockets, okay, here in the biz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it looks at you. <laughs> okay. I'm just fucking with you, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Times are changing. And he just like clicks the pen and he writes down. You see, he writes down the name, John Donaldson, and he writes down like a phone number. And he like spins it back around. He's like, here's his number. Um, I don't know. If you find out anything that you think you may need our help on or anything like that, just let us know. I just think that this is an opportunity. These don't come around too much. So, yeah, fair enough. All right. And he like gets up for a second and he like wipes off some crumbs off his shirt and he extends his hand waiting for you to like stand up and shake his hand. Yeah, I shake his hand and then, you know, uh, let him out. And, you know, about the whole Meredith thing, just no hard feelings. It's just we feel better this way. Hey, we understand. I mean, it's a fucking odd situation, right? Mm. I just want you to know that she's not a bad lady. I mean, again, you're just fucking taking my word for it. And I got no way to show this. But people sometimes are dragged into evilness against their will. She was in the heart of darkness there for a while. And I believe every intent that the moment that she realized what was going on, she did everything she could to get out of it. And she did. Did she prevent some stuff that maybe some people think she could have prevented? I know your friend was upset. The the long hair hippie one, he was upset that she didn't prevent Amanda's death. But what could she have done? Right. What could really, uh, what could she have done to stop it? Look at the pull these people have. They don't want you speaking. I think they have a way to stop you. Maybe he just died of a heart attack. Who knows? And you see where he turns around and he walks out and you hear the bell, ding, ding, like the little bell that you have rattle as the door closes and you're looking outside the window. What is going on right now after all of what Jerry just told you and everything? What's going on in uh, Michael's head? I feel like Michael feels, uh, a little bit exalted, you know, just because it's a bit of a change of pace she enjoys, you know, that's part of what he likes about it, that it's not just a nine to five for him, you know, uh, it's always something different, always like um, finding creative solutions to problems and uh, just uh, also very happy because Alex will finally get his chance uh, doing stuff. So this is you're happy the fact that there's at least some kind of like, even though it's not about the the missing yeah. kid, that there's some kind of like tie to Welkster that you guys have it yeah, in on exactly. now, like a little wedge to, to get yourself yeah, in on. Exactly. It's like an impulse, you know, just check it out. And I mean, you know, uh, it could have been just a PR move from Charlie Welkster, but could have also been something more insidious. So it'd be an opportunity to check out the school too. For sure. Now, how are you taking the fact that Terry Murphy like died of a heart attack? It's like, just, yeah, it's, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like, this couldn't have been, you know, a coincidence, uh, which also means, you know, that there's more Satanists out there or, or, you know, whatever. Let's delve into that. I mean, has Michael gone like full conspiratorial with his thoughts on this shit? Cause like, let's look how everyone has dealt with uh, it. Right? I, I don't think he believes that it's conspiratorial or conspiratorial. He believes that yes, this exists. I won't tell anyone, you know, outside our circle it exists because they think I'm insane, but it exists. It's a thing. It's like just, no doubt in your head. Like these yeah. people are everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And does, do you feel like you feel that Terry was a victim of them? Or are you like, like, is it a foregone yeah, conclusion? Exactly. It's, it's like, absolutely. So Mike is sold 100% on this, like sold. Mm-hmm. And I like that because that, I think that's what Michael is like. You know what I mean? Michael has that, like he's all fucking in right now. Like this is real. This is this business in a way is a patient wedge to get in there and find out more yeah. stuff. 
you know, it's it's all fun and games, but you know, it still has a purpose, and now it's serving it for sure. We will cut to Wayne. You came back from the talk with Bruce, got dressed, started up your car. There's a second, like, oh, come on, come on, come on, and then <laughs> and it starts going, and you have like. What tape do you have right now in your tape player that starts playing once the car starts? Oh, damn. That's a really good question. Probably like Blue Oyster Cult or something like that. Nice. So you hear like Blue Oyster Cult like start like blaring through your cheap speakers of your car as you get back onto the street that leads to Main Street. And you eventually start like making your way down Main Street. You hear the slush underneath your wheel well from your tires as it's going through you're kind of it's a little hard to like drive because it slides a little bit because your tires are a little balding as you're kind of like shifting a little bit so you don't slide and eventually you come upon main street and you see michael's car that's parked in the front there and you don't see anyone else's so usually you're able to like kind of like get in behind him which is usually you're happy because like that's less that you have to walk and it leads straight to the warmth right there so you park behind michael's vehicle and you get out and you as you open the door, you see Michael sitting at the desk there on his own, and you see there's like a folded newspaper in front of him, and you're greeted by the smell of coffee, which is, like I said, the Coke machines on the right, which, which no one ever buys Cokes from usually, but you guys, it seems like, and you guys have the key to get in there, so usually you just pop it open and take a Coke. You don't know whose idea it was to get it in there thinking you get more business, but usually just feeds your guys a Coke habit, and Mike complains when he has to pay for it every month to refill it. And then there's a, but there's also a coffee machine there that's like, and uh, also one of those water cooler things, like where you get like a little water from the paper cups there, but usually you use your coffee cup that you had throughout the day. And then you see that there's four desks and two in front and two in back. Each has like a chair that's in front of them for if someone needs to sit there. And there's like a typewriter and some other stuff. You see Michael's in the far left one. And also you see there's a co- coat rack to the left. And there's also a little AM FM radio. That's like on top of the next to the coffee maker where someone can select the music that they want to turn it on there when there's no one in there. You walk in, you see Michael scenes on you guys. Howdy, Mike. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? Uh, you know, still swiping the sleep out of my eyes. And Wayne's going to go straight to the coffee machine. He's making himself very like at home at the at the office, so to speak. You know what? Grab that coffee. Come to me. I got donuts. And most importantly... I have a new client, and this one, this one I think you'll like. Well, not the client, but the job. He rubs his stomach. Oh, donuts, you're a savior, brother. Thank me. Thank the good lady. Martha hook you up again? Yep. You know it. She's the best. And and Martha always compliments you on your hair. She always says, like, you look like one of those romance novel cover people with your hair, which you definitely don't. But she's like, you look, she always like, you look like a mixture between like Tom Selleck and one of those like romance novels guys. And you're like, there's sometimes after you get out of the shower, you look in the mirror and you look at yourself in the face and you really don't quite see the resemblance, but it still makes you feel good whenever she compliments you. Yeah, Wayne would definitely like her, especially if she's hooking up sweets and stuff like that. And he just likes uh, nice ladies, like nice older ladies and stuff that are just like, you know, he misses his mom who's far away in, in Montana doing God knows what. So, yeah, for sure. And she's like definitely a mother figure. She's had that business for like 30 years. You know what I mean? Like she's been successful at running it. So for sure. So what do you got for me? Well, uh, an acquaintance of ours, uh, Jerry Heckberg dropped by. And he had a job for us. 
not from him specifically, but apparently this kid ran away from this Christian school academy, which was founded by Charlie Walkstetter. Or was it Calvin? I'm not sure. It was Calvin Walkstetter. Was Charlie's Calvin. the younger brother, yeah. So it was Calvin yeah. Walkstetter. Oh, Calvin. And, you know, uh, it was a troublesome kid, you know. Uh, ran away from home a couple of times, but the head of security, uh, an acquaintance of Jerry's, a uh, certain John Donaldson, he feels like something's different now. So Jerry went to us and see if we could find anything out. He gave me contact info for the boy's grandfather, and he's the one who's supposed to hire us, which means that we'll have a chance or we'll have a reason to look around the school if necessary. And since it was founded by Calvin... Do you think he's got something to do with the with the kid? I think it might be the kid just ran away for a bit too long. But, but it could be more. And, you know, uh, if there's anything I'd ever believe in, it's the gut feeling of a, an old ex-cop. Wayne is silent for a second, and then he just kind of... He's like, he's kind of just leaning in, staring at the desk, and he just sort of shivers. Hey, worst case scenario, it's just another payday. Right, right. I re- oh, yeah. Uh, I also have a bit of bad news. I sort of take out the newspaper with Terry's death on it. Looks like Terry's dead. A heart attack. So I think whatever we're doing, we should keep it on the down low. People were after. They're everywhere, I think. And, you know, with the Walksteaders, they were powerful, rich. And, yeah, I feel like these people, the others, they're not that different. I think that shit's top to bottom, corrupt. You know, could be anyone. Wayne's going to grab the newspaper off the table, and he just kind of holds it closer and, and starts reading it. Holy shit. Fucking Terry. Yeah, fucking Mr. Big Shot. Holy shit. I, I, and he throws it back down on the table. And he, he grabs like a like a scrunchie and he starts putting his hair up in like a in like a ponytail, just like a get down to business kind of thing. And he's just he grabs like a, a a jar that's on the table that just has different like pens or a cup rather that just has different pens and markers and and whatever and just grabs like a pen and a highlighter and he just starts kinda kinda going over it and he's like, Did you without even looking at Mike, he's just he's just looking at the newspaper. Did you did you talk to anybody else yet? Did you you told nope. Jerry. You're the first one I told. Son of a bitch. And yeah, Jerry you... told me about it. Well, when do you think we can get out there? Can should we talk to the to the grandpa first, or I'm ready yeah. to get my feet wet? Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm sure you are, but uh, we have to make sure we have a client first. You know, uh, make sure we have plausible deniability for snooping around like that. You're right. You're right. Oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions so that your media could give the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. 
we take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.